All right, all right. The Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If you're glad to be here, why don't you say with me, I am. You love Jesus, say I do. Good, good. Just excited for what God's going to do in our lives today here at Hope. Uh, we are in a series right now called Church United. And over the last few weeks, we've been building on this vision that uh, what our divided world needs most, United Church. Our world needs a united church for a divided world. We started in week one, listening to Jesus as he prayed in John 17. Jesus prays to the Father and he asks that we as believe brothers and sisters in Christ would be one, just as he and the Father are one. And do you remember, do you remember Jesus, he, he begins to give this great purpose for our oneness. He says, so that the world may believe. Unity in the church is not just Jesus' prayer, but guys, it's what our world desperately needs. Last week, we went a little bit further on uh, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. We went to the end of the Bible, to Revelation chapter 7, and that's where God kind of uh, peels back the veil of heaven, and we, we get to look into heaven, into eternity, and we see that, um, that, that the church in heaven is diverse, ethnically diverse, but united because of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, he had this, this dream, but God has given us a vision at the end of the Bible. And we see a church united from all ethnic groups globally, around the throne and around the Lamb. We see a church that transcends those those racial and ethnic lines because of the power of the gospel. Well, today, uh, I, I want to begin to move to application. And I want to ask the question, how are we going to turn this vision into a reality? How do we, how do we walk in unity with one another? Um, you know, in, in my life, uh, I've really learned that it's one thing to talk the talk of unity but guys, it's a whole nother ball game to walk the walk of unity. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, when I was in high school, I was a part of a guy's Bible study. And it was a, it was a great little Bible study. We studied um, books of the Bible. We studied mere Christianity. Anybody love a little C.S. Lewis? And uh, then our pastor thought it would be really fun to teach us about predestination. So we got uh, educated in the doctrine of predestination. And uh, if you don't know what predestination is, it's the idea that uh, before we ever choose God, God has already chosen us. That before the foundation of the world, we were, God, we were chosen. God chose who would believe. And so we learned all about this idea of predestination. And I uh, love, love my... My old pastor in high school, he, he gave us just enough scripture to be dangerous. And uh, some of us belonged to another youth group across town, and we took our new theology on the road. And that week, during our youth pastor's message, a few of us brought up predestination. I don't think our youth pastor was ready for it. And next thing you know, there's a huge debate. Uh, people are arguing, and I knew I had messed up when a group of girls went to the bathroom to cry. 
Was not, that's not how you get a prom date in high school. Let's just put it that way. So that didn't just happen once, I'm sad to say. But me and my, my, my brothers from this Bible study, we, after making girls cry on several other occasions, we, we banned the subject from all further conversation. True story. I, I could actually give a master class in how to not walk in unity. Um, I, I think unity sounds amazing. Yes, unity. Right? And we want unity until someone offends us with a different political view. Right? We love unity until we're frustrated with another parent because they, they parent their kids in a way that we would never parent our kids. Or, or we love unity until they have that view of the Bible and, and you know, I've got the right view of the Bible. <laughs> That's usually how I think. Right? So how do we keep our differences from actually driving a wedge between us? How do we walk in unity with one another? Brothers and sisters in Christ. It's one thing to talk the talk of unity. How do we actually walk with one another in unity? And you can find the answer to this question in Ephesians chapter 4. So I want to invite you, if you have your scripture, uh, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I love to just walk through these passages in the Bible. So we'll be there today, Ephesians 4. You're going to hear Paul's urgent concern for the unity of the church. Paul will encourage us, in a famous line, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Maybe you've heard that before. Um, how do we do this? Paul is going to encourage us to work for unity in two different areas. Number one, in our relationships. That's verses one through three. And then number two... We're going to work for unity in our beliefs. So see if you can pick up those two themes as we read that together. Um, working for unity in our relationships and our beliefs. This is what Paul writes to the, the Ephesians here. Chapter 4, verses 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Church, we are united in Christ. Jesus has done this for us. But it's our responsibility to maintain that unity. Did you see that? Make every effort. So we want to make every effort in two areas. We want to make every effort in our relationships and how we maintain unity in our relationships with one another. That's really important. We want to make every effort in our beliefs and how we maintain our unity in our Christian beliefs. And, and if we do that together, uh, there isn't anything that we can't work through. There, there it, we can be united. If we'll make those efforts in our relationships and in our beliefs, man, I wish I would have known that as a teenager. I could have had some great conversations about predestination. No tears. At our house, we have uh, kids shampoo. There's two kinds of shampoo for my kids, tears and no tears. Okay, so we're, we're talking about how do we do no tears with one another. 
Can you imagine? This is important for our relationships with one another, how we walk in unity. This can help you in your relationships with your parents, with your spouse, your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is going to be a helpful message for all of us. So let's put up the next slide. How do we walk? Here it is. Thank you. This is it. How do we walk in unity? Here's where we're going. Here's the roadmap. Number one, we fight for unity in our relationships. And number two, we focus on the unity of our beliefs. That's where we're going. Why don't we pray? God, thank you for bringing us here this morning so that we can come and we can learn uh, about Jesus, so that we can worship in, uh, in the splendor of your holiness. What a, what a majestic God you are. And I pray that you would do a powerful work in our hearts, transform our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And take this, this idea that we've been talking about and make it a reality in our hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, number one, we fight for unity in our relationships. How many know, you know relationships are important? Relationships matter, right? They do. Relationships matter. Um, but here today, our relationships matter not just because this is an interpersonal issue. Uh, within the church, this is actually a gospel issue. This matters because Jesus loved us so much. He died on the cross. He adopted us into his family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been united in Christ. This is a gospel issue. We're called to unity because of the gospel. Listen to how Paul begins his exhortation. Ephesians 4.1, if you're following along. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Do you hear the urgency here? I urge you. Right? There's a passion. There's an, an urgency for unity. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Right? Where, what is that calling? Right? What is the calling we've received? He, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then. That then points back. It connects us to all that has building up, been building up in the first three chapters of Ephesians. And some of you know the book of Ephesians, Paul begins this letter by praising God for his glorious grace. And then he, he goes and he gets on his knees and he prays. He got that in Ephesians 1, praise and then prayer. And, and Paul prays that we as Christians would know the hope of our calling, the glorious inheritance in the saints. There's that word calling connecting us to this right here in Ephesians 4. Then Paul moves to chapter 2. And he defines the gospel. He said, what is the gospel? Well, read Ephesians 2. He defines it for us. He defines the hope to which we've been called. And he says, we were dead, in Ephesians 2, in our transgressions and sins, but Christ made us alive in him. By grace you've been saved. And not only are we, we brought into, into a new relationship with God... The gospel brings us into a new family of God. If you continue to read Ephesians 2, he talks about how, how the dividing wall has been broken down. Through the cross, we have been reconciled into one new man. And I just share this again for a third week in a row because our relationships are not just an interpersonal issue. This is an issue central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the gospel vertically reconciles us to God. And then the gospel works 
horizontally, um, reconciling us with all of our differences, reconciling us with all of our diversity, reconciling us to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is one of the fruits of the gospel in our life. So Paul is deeply concerned. I urge you, I urge you to live a life worthy of this calling that you've received. We have an urgency in the gospel to live with one another in unity. So how do we do this? I want to start with this first point. We fight for unity in our relationships. And we could start just by saying that in most of our lives, most of the time, our relationship with somebody else is, is way more important than a disagreement. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like the person right, that we're in a disagreement with, they are way more important than the problem. Now, if, if you're in a relationship, at some point you're going to have a disagreement. Like all the married here, people here today know exactly what I'm talking about, right? If you're in a relationship, it's going to happen at some point. Uh, you know, anytime you got two people, you got three opinions. It's just, it's just the way it works. Now, sometimes there might be an issue so big, you might have to create a boundary in that relationship or maybe sever the relationship. But most of the time, the person in the relationship is way more important than the disagreement. And so the question is, when we have those disagreements, when issues come up, the question is, how do we walk in unity with one another? How do we maintain that unity? How do we remain relational through a difficult problem? This could be a problem between you and your spouse, a disagreement. You're not seeing eye, eye to eye or, or uh, kids with your parents or uh, with, a, with a, a co-worker, whatever it is. Paul is going to give us here, I love this, four character qualities for remaining relational. We want to maintain our relationship. Fight for the unity of our relationship. And these are four character qualities that will help us do that. Look at verse 2. This is what Paul says. He says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. What are the four character qualities that will allow us to remain relational with one another as we walk through challenges. Here they are. Humble, patient, sorry, humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Start with humble. Are you a humble person? A, a, a humble person doesn't have to always be right. A humble person will, will readily, will readily ask for forgiveness. A humble person will say, I'm open to how God wants to change me through this difficulty. A, a humble person says, my heart is open to being changed. That's humble. How about gentle? A great story from Coach John Wooden, the legendary basketball coach. And he tells a story about the power of gentleness. And, and this just sums it up for me. He says, great story from, from John Wooden. He says, when I was a young boy... I was at a gravel pit with my father and a young man. They had a team of horses and were attempting to pull a load up a steep road. The young man driving the horses was loud and abusive. 
In response, the animals were agitated, working against each other, and, and they couldn't pull the load. With a gentle voice and an even gentler touch, my dad calmed the horses and walked them forward with the load. It was an incredible reminder that gentleness can fix in a moment what an hour of shouting fails to achieve. I'll say that one more time. He said, gentleness can fix in a moment what an hour of shouting fails to achieve. That's the power of gentleness. Humble. Am I, hum am I approaching this relationship humbly, open to change, gentle, patient? You guys know the definition of a split second? The time it takes for the light to turn green and the person behind you to honk their horn. You guys heard that? hard to be patient. A lot of impatience in the world today, isn't there? When we're impatient with one another, it's because we don't realize that, that we're all in process. And some people change quickly, some people change slowly. That doesn't mean that God isn't working in that person's life. And so we want to be patient with one another, allowing God the space to work in someone else's life. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. We don't make the problem bigger than the relationship. We make the relationship more important than the problem. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians about love, he says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And it's just a reminder of what Jesus did for us, right? Jesus bore all things for us. And so we bear all things with others. We're going to walk in unity with you. And then he says, love never fails. I love that. It's the power of love. So I... I looked at these and um, kind of despaired. Anybody? Not easy to do, right, in a relationship. But before you despair, just want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, we are all in process. I am in process, <laughs> still. And number two, the Holy Spirit is key. Amen? We can't do this without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts. And, um, and that's why God has given us the Holy Spirit. And uh, Paul says that we actually need the Holy Spirit to walk in unity in our relationships. This is verse 3. Paul says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. So there is an effort on our part, but it's a unity that's created by the Holy Spirit. I love that. I want you to remember, if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit is inside of you, creating the character of Christ in your life and in your heart. And let me ask you a question. If, if I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to change my heart, humble, and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to change your heart, humble, do, do we move closer to unity or further? We move closer, right? Because it's the same Holy Spirit, and he's leading us both to unity. Unity is actually a ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, make every effort to keep 
The spirit of unity in the bond of peace. The spirit bonds us together in unity. This is a powerful thing. My wife and I make use of this all the time. Right? She's got the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit. So sometimes we have disagreements. You believe that? Pastor and pastor's wife have disagreements. It happens. Right? We, we struggle sometimes, you know, like uh, we, we have disagreements about should Hudson go to preschool? Couldn't decide. And so what do we do? She's got the Holy Spirit. I got the Holy Spirit. We turn to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show us what to do. Bring us to a place of unity. And you know what? The Holy Spirit, one of his ministries is to bring us to unity. You can do this in your relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. We do it as an elder board. We, when we are not in unity, we pray. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because it's his job to unite us. The Holy Spirit creates unity. It's a powerful thing. I encourage you to, to put that to practice. But what do we do when we're not in unity? In the meantime, we do humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. And that's how we fight for unity in our relationships. Our unity starts right here in our relationships as we allow the gospel to transform our life. So that's number one. How do we, how do we walk in unity? How do we live this out? Number one, we're going to fight for unity in our relationships. Number two, we're going to focus on the unity of our beliefs. We focus, Christians, on the unity of our beliefs. As Christians, we have a set of beliefs, core beliefs, convictions that unite us as followers of Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to list seven of them, and they all start with the word one. Listen to this. He says, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Did you hear the word one? We are one in our core beliefs as followers of Jesus Christ. He lists seven of those. I noticed a few things. Number one, he starts with one body. We are one body. Why would he start with one body? Because isn't this his urgent concern for us? That we would be united as the body of Christ? So Paul wants us to understand that though there are many members, though there are many churches, we are all one body in Christ. One body. Number two, did you notice in this list, Paul mentions all three Persons of the Trinity. How cool is that? Isn't it interesting how the Trinity keeps coming up in these conversations about unity? Here Paul mentions all three members of the Trinity. There's one, one God, the Father, one Father, one Lord, that's Jesus. By the way, the Lord is the name of God in the Old Testament, so that, that's interesting right there. One Father, one Son, one Holy Spirit, all three are God, each one divine. Each one has a unique role in our Christian life. And yet Paul says we are united in this belief. Um, isn't it amazing that each of the creeds down through the history of the church, they all have this refrain, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus the Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I love that we as Christians are united with 
all believers globally and down through the history of the church in believing in one God. We have one God, church, one body, one God. Then he talks about, I love this, he goes on to say we have one hope. One hope. And when we think about hope, we think about what what God has done for us. What God will do for us. And, And there's so much in the Bible about hope and the hope that we have as Christians. In other places, Paul says that, um, he says that it's the, uh, he talks about the hope of our calling. He talks about the hope of the gospel. In another place, he, he mentions the hope of glory. That's pretty cool. We got a hope of glory. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about hope. But I'm going to go back to a, a creed here, the Apostles' Creed. It's the oldest creed of the church. And it actually gives us a great summary of our hope. The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, there's some hope, the uh, resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Don't we have an amazing hope, church family? We're united today in that hope. So where where do we get hope? Where does hope come from? Do you hear what Paul says next? He says, one hope, one Lord. Hope comes from Jesus. There's only one Savior. It came from heaven to earth, went to a cross, and rose from the dead. Jesus is our hope. No other religion has an empty tomb. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. Joseph Smith, dead. There's only one empty tomb. Hope is alive. Because Jesus is alive. He is our hope. We we have hope. You have hope in Jesus Christ today. Hope is found in Christ. It says one hope, one Lord. What does he say next? Do you see it there? One one faith. You guys following the progression? Isn't that cool? One hope, one Lord, one faith. God has given us hope. Hope is found in Jesus. And how does Christ come into our life? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Not by works. When Christ came into my life as a 17-year-old, I got good grades. I'd been to church. I was respectful of others, but none of those works could take away my sins. I had to confess my sin and put my trust in Jesus. That was the moment that God came into my life. Powerful moment for many of you, right? Everything changed for me and for many of us in this room today when we discovered that one faith. That was the moment we came alive to a brand new relationship with Christ. It is one hope, one Lord, one faith. And how do we celebrate when we put our faith in Jesus? One baptism. I love that. Right after Paul says one faith, he says one baptism. Baptism is how we celebrate what God has done in our life. Baptism is a picture of what Christ has done for us. You go down in the water, come back up. It's a picture. My old life has been buried with Christ. 
My sins have been washed away. And I'm rising up to a brand new life. But we celebrate that. So if you've never been baptized as a believer in Jesus, if you've never done one faith, one baptism, I want to invite you to come and talk to me. Because we, we want to celebrate that with you. Right? It's never too late to celebrate what God has done in your life. Powerful, powerful experience that unites us as believers in Christ. You guys see what Paul's done? He's saying these are the beliefs that unite us. He's helping us as Christians to walk in unity with one another. How do we do that? By focusing on the unity of our beliefs. What unites us is bigger than what divides us. Amen? If you've ever been a, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, though, you know there are some Christians that have some different beliefs. Not necessarily on these things, but in other areas, right? Christians do have some minor differences of beliefs. And I want to give us a little motto that can help us walk in unity through some of those differences. Because I think that's really important for us as a church, don't you? That when we have some differences of belief, that we can still walk in unity. I love this motto. I don't know where it came from, but um, it's a great little saying. It's, uh, in essentials, unity. Those are essential beliefs. In those essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. What does charity mean? What does that mean? Love, right? In all things, love. In essential beliefs, unity. Non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. So let's, let's try this out a little bit. Paul says there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Let me ask you, essential or non-essential? Okay, good, all right. Thanks for playing along. You're absolutely right. It's essential. We use the word essential for those core beliefs of the Christian faith. Things like the Trinity. Jesus is God. You're saved through faith alone, by Christ alone. These are beliefs that Christians have agreed on down throughout the history of the church. They're the main and the plain of Scripture. Sometimes we call those beliefs, beliefs in the closed hand. These are the beliefs together as Christians that, that hold us together. Um, they're the beliefs that define who's a Christian and who's not a Christian. Does that make sense? Close-handed, essential. We're united in these beliefs, the main and the plain of Scripture. There are some other beliefs we would also call non-essential. They're not as clear in Scripture. These are things that Christians disagree about and probably will until Jesus comes back. Things like charismatic gifts, baptizing infants, um, women's role in ministry, all of these different beliefs. We could just go on and on and on. The list is very long. Okay? When you hear us say non-essential, don't hear not important. I think that's really key to say. We might have some strong convictions. I have some strong convictions on some non-essentials. We may want to attend a church with others who share our strong convictions. But at the end of the day, we are still Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christians. Amen? We can disagree, but we don't have to divide over them. 
in one body. I love our motto. In non-essentials, what? Liberty. In other words, we just disagree. And that's okay. Everybody say, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We disagree, and it's just okay. These are beliefs that we hold in the open hand. It's an open hand. And here at Hope, we're a church. We major on the majors. And we preach the gospel. Gospel's right at the center of everything we believe and teach and do. Gospel transforms lives. We want to be that church. Puts the emphasis on the majors. But we also want to be a church where we have space right, to engage on some of these minors. Um, to, to go to the scriptures. Iron sharpens iron. We want to do that for one another. And then at the end of the conversation go, you know what? We still love each other. We still love Jesus. And we're still walking in unity. Because that last line there, in all things charity. That's how a church walks in unity with one another. I think Paul's given us a great recipe for unity here. I love it. How do we walk in unity? Number one, fight for unity in our relationships with one another. Paul says, make every effort. We're going to make the effort in our relationships. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's humble, gentle, patient, bear, seeking the unity of the Holy Spirit. We're going to make every effort in our relationships with one another to love each other through whatever we're going through. And number two, we want to focus on the unity of our beliefs. We are united in the essentials, and we have freedom in the non-essentials. And again, we love each other through the diversity. So I think this is a church that walks very well in unity with one another. And I'm proud of you guys. I want to ask today, can we commit to continue to walk in unity with one another? Can we do that? Maybe today that looks like repairing a relationship. Maybe today that looks like just being okay that somebody has a little bit of a different belief than you in some of these non-essentials. Paul says, make every effort with one another to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would do that in us and would continue to do that in us. Now let's pray. God, thanks so much that we are not alone in seeking to live in unity with others. Thank you that you've given us your presence and your power through the Holy Spirit. And we think of even some situations we're going through right now where there is not unity. And we ask God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you work in us that humble, gentle, patient, bear with one another kind of love that we see in Jesus Christ. Thank you for going all the way to the cross, giving your life for us. And we want to give our lives to remain in unity with one another. Help us to fight the fight of unity, to make every effort in our relationships, to focus on those theological essentials, and to love each other through all the challenges that we face. We can't do it on our own, God. We confess our sins, our impatience, our pride, our independence from you. Come and change all those things through your grace and through your goodness. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.